Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to turn uh, just for a short time, then we will pray. John chapter 6. That's John chapter 6. I, I wanted to share just a few things um, over these past uh, maybe a couple of months or so. I've just been asking, seeking the Lord, and waiting on the Lord just for some guidance, for some direction, uh, just uh, for us as a people, as a church where we are at this time and going forward, uh, in particular just with the vision of the work and the building behind us here in a practical way, in a spiritual way, and asking the Lord, uh, what is what what is what is He saying to us at this time? What is what is he trying to teach us, teach me, uh, teach us as a people, as a congregation, as a church, where we are and going forward? And, uh, you know, I just, I, I know, I suppose uh, over time, I find that really the Lord has often speaks to us through the simple things and he reveals himself often, his kingdom, through parables, through simple lessons, uh, through simple scriptures, through simple things that happen in our lives, but they have very profound spiritual meaning. And the kingdom is like that. The kingdom, uh, the Pharisees wanted to understand the kingdom, but they couldn't, and the Lord would reveal it uh, to us in parables. The very secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom were held up in the simplicity of these parables. And so the Lord would teach uh, through the parables the kingdom and that's why we read the parables, that's why we study them, because in that we will find uh, the mysteries of the kingdom. And it's very simple. And uh, so I've just been asking the Lord and asking him to show me and teach me in where we are at this present time. And I believe the Lord has, has spoken to me, first of all, and I think that's always important. And then I, I just want to share those simple thoughts with you tonight on what the Lord has shown me. And he's brought me back to a very well-known story in the Bible. It's a real story. It's not a parable. It actually happened. It's a wonderful miracle of the feeding of 5,000 men and their families. And it was supernatural. And we want to just look at this again tonight in John chapter 6. And we'll pray as we just read from verse 1. Father, we thank you tonight again for, Lord, just gathering us together. And we pray for your help, Lord, that, Lord, that you would illuminate your word to our hearts, our understanding. Lord, we pray that faith would come into our hearts tonight. Lord, that we would rise in this time. And Lord, that our faith, our trust, Lord, would be resolute in Christ. And Lord, that you would increase our faith. And Lord, give us a greater capacity tonight, we pray, as we come to your word. Would you just glorify your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So John chapter 6 and verse 1. And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lift up his eyes and saw a great multitude come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. 
And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Do you know, uh, there is a key, some really important things in, in this story that we want to point out tonight. And we sang about this great shepherd. That after these things, it opens with this, these words, that Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee. Verse 2 says, And a great multitude followed him. And you know, that is really the key in our Christian walk, in our life. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not the leaders. We are the followers. He is the great shepherd. And this is the whole essence of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did the Lord say in, in uh, Matthew 16 and 24? If any man would want to be my disciple... He has to deny himself, take up his cross. And what does he do? He follows the Lord. And when you're following the Lord, you know and I both know that often he'll lead us into places that we would never choose to go ourselves. Isn't that true? If we're truly following the Lord, he leads. And sometimes he'll lead us into places that we would not choose to go and it's just important to know that in our lives, if we are following the Lord Jesus Christ, you will experience, we all will experience circumstances or times that we would never choose to go there ourselves. But what we must always remember is it's really important that we're following Jesus. That's really important. They were following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to have a shepherd. It's good to have a good shepherd, the great shepherd. The Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then it says, he leadeth me beside still waters. But I want to say to you tonight, it's not always still waters. The peace of God we always have, that's where it's still, but we don't, and we're not always led into still waters. The disciples were led into the midst of storms. And the boat was being filled. And in all of that, the Lord had led them into the storm. It's just good to know tonight that if the Lord has led you into the storm, he's the one that's going to lead you out of it. So we're followers. That's the whole essence of a disciple of the Lord. We'll follow the Lord wherever he leads me. I will go. Wherever he sends us, we will go. Why? Because we are followers of the Lord. 
In John chapter 12 and verse 26, it's a sign of our it's a sign of us being a servant. The Lord said, if any man would want to serve, then let him follow me. So really the whole essence of a disciple as a follower, as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the key parts of that is that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sheep, that's a Christian, sheep follow. We're following, we're, we're led by the Spirit of God. We're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know this is very basic, but it's really important to know that this multitude and the disciples were led to this place because they were following Jesus. And Jesus brought them to a place that was a desert place. The other accounts over in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 13, if you would turn back over into that, you'll see the account of Matthew and Matthew tells us in Matthew 12 and 13, I believe it is. Matthew 12 and 13. Sorry, I've got the wrong text. But he brought them into a place that was a desert place. It tells us that in Mark chapter 6 also and verse 35, it tells us there that the time, the time had now passed. So we see here the Lord had led them to a place. Matthew tells us it was a desert place. Mark tells us that the time had now passed. In other words, they had brought them to a place. What does a desert speak of? A desert speaks of a place that is dry or a place that is hot and a place that is barren. But the Lord had led them there. A dry season or a barren season or a time that was difficult. Spiritually, we will come to these occasions in our lives, in our walk, because we're, because we're following Jesus, that he will lead us in the circumstances that would seem that spiritually they could be dry or barren. And also the spiritual temperature at that time can be increased where we feel the intensity spiritually. Now, I would say to you at this time that which we are in, not just as a local fellowship, but in a general sense, that we're being led of the Lord into a season, into a time where it is a barren time, as we'd seem, and it would seem also a time of spiritual intensity. There is a spiritual warfare. There's a spiritual intensity against the church of Jesus Christ. What we always must remember is the Lord's leading us. He's leading us. And so he brings his disciples to this place. It was hot. It was dry. It was barren. And now the time had now passed. In other words, it was late in the evening. And I honestly believe that we're, we're late in the hour of which we have come to. I mean that in the whole essence of time. That we're, we're at the last hour. And we've come to a very, a very intense time in history generally, but also as a people or as a congregation, the Lord has led us into this place, a desert place, a place where we can say the time has now passed. Now when we get there, Matthew's account, sorry, in John, back in John chapter 6, if you turn over, we just turn again to the account. In John chapter 6, it says these words... John chapter 6, verse 5. 
When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great multitude come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? So now they've gathered together. The multitude is there. The disciples are gathered with the Lord. They're in a desert place. They're in a barren place. They're in a place where there's no natural ability to feed the multitude. And the Lord turns to Philip and says to Philip, Philip, where will we get, where will we get bread that we may eat? Now you must know, as we are looking at this tonight, I just want you for a moment to put yourself in the shoes of Philip. If you can, you're standing in a desert place. The hour is late. There is a multitude of people. You're one of the followers. You are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to put yourself right into the shoes of Philip. And the Lord turns to you and says and asks this question, Whence shall we buy bread? that these may eat. I just want you to think about that for a moment because this is crucial to how the Lord deals with us as his followers. Where will we get the bread to feed the multitude? Philip, what are we going to do? The Lord speaks to Philip. Now, if you're standing there in Philip's shoes and often we come to these things in our lives and I believe this is really what the Lord has been doing with me or dealing with me on. Where will we get the bread to feed the multitude? And the question is asked to you individually. I want you to answer that in your heart tonight. Be Philip for a moment. Stop for a moment and just think as you're standing there in this place, this desert place, there is a multitude of people they have followed the Lord because we love the Lord. He's led us right into this place. And they stop in this desert place. And the Lord turns around to Philip, that's you, and says, where are we going to buy bread that we might feed these people? If you think about it for a moment, it's nice for us sitting here tonight in the comfort and in the heat and in the just looking at it and saying, well, Philip, you should have known to turn to the Lord. But really, we've been brought to this place. Philip, I want you to buy the bread to feed the multitude. Now, you and I know mathematically in every way, this was completely impossible. This was not possible that Philip had the resource to feed the multitude. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, he said to all the disciples, Mark chapter 6 and verse 37, he said these words to all the disciples when they said that the multitude are hungry. In Mark 6, 37, he said to the disciples, Give ye them to eat. The Lord said to the disciples, You feed them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine now you have to stand there in their place? You have to stand facing the multitude. You have to look at the Lord. We're following him because we love him. He's healed their diseases. He's done everything for them. They've followed him right across the sea. They come right up to this desert place. And the Lord turns around to the disciples, Philip, where are we going to buy bread to feed the multitude? Then he turns to all the disciples. They're standing looking at the Lord. 
And the Lord says, now listen, you feed them. And I don't know how long he waited. I don't know whether there was a pause. I don't know whether it was one of those moments where everything just went calm and they looked at each other. But here they found themselves in a place. Now if you turn to John chapter 6 again, because there is a real key verse in this story. In John 6 and 6 it says these words, And this he said to prove him. This he said to prove him. That simply means this he said to see if there was the faith amongst his disciples to believe that the multitude could be fed. This was a test. The Lord had brought them. You know, most of all the accounts that you read and all the great miracles and all the multitudes that gathered and all the healings, everything that was being done, we know that most of the time it wasn't about the multitude, it was about these 12 men. The Lord was teaching them, the Lord was proving them, the Lord was discipling them, the Lord was chastising them, the Lord would rebuke them, the Lord would encourage them because he was bringing and teaching them the things of the kingdom. But it reads here, and this he said to prove him. He said to prove them. Now I want to put to you tonight that this season that we're in, the Lord's proving us. The Lord is testing us. We're in a season of testing. I'm in a season of being tested. The Lord is asking some questions of us. We're being proved by the Lord. He's not trying to make a fool out of us. So important to know that because you would think, here's the Lord, here's Philip, here's the disciples, there's the multitude, they're all hungry. And the Lord says, now Philip, you feed them. You see, the Lord wasn't trying to make a fool out of Philip. He wasn't trying to embarrass Philip. Can I encourage you tonight? The Lord's not trying to embarrass you. He's not trying to make a fool out of anybody. But what he is doing, he's testing us. He's proven our hearts. He's proven our faith. He's proven that what we say we are and the faith that we sing about, that's the faith that we're producing. Because it has to be more than words. Faith without works is dead. And so he says, Philip, I'm doing this to prove you. But then the second part of the verse is really amazing. Because look at what it says. For he himself knew what he would do. In other words, the Lord was going to feed them anyway. The Lord was going to do the miracle no matter what happened with Philip. No matter what happened to Andrew. No matter what happened with the disciples. But the Lord was asking questions of Philip and the disciples to prove them. But he was going to feed the multitude anyway. What he was looking for, were they going to be part of the miracle by faith? Were they going to enter into the miracle by faith? Or were they going to be like so often that we find them filled with unbelief and fear? Or were they going to enter into this wonderful miracle that the Lord was about to perform? Can I tell you something? The Lord's going to do what he's going to do. Whenever, see tomorrow, the Lord knows all about it. 
See, see tomorrow night at 10 o'clock when the doors close and the count begins, the Lord knows who's Prime Minister Friday morning. The Lord knows about our workplaces. The Lord knows about our lives. The Lord knows what's about to happen. The Lord knows the miracle that we need. The Lord, He's going to do it anyway. He's determined that He's going to do it, but He has a plan and He has a purpose. And He's saying, now, Philip, do you want to be part of this miracle? Do you want to be part of what I'm about to do? Do you want to see the multitudes reached? And so we see here, the Lord knew exactly what he was doing, when he was going to do it, and how he was going to do it. But there was a test. And I believe, brothers and sisters, at this time, New Testament Pentecostal Church on Main Street, Balnehinch, is being tested. God's proven us. God's testing us. Have we got the faith? Is there faith in our hearts to believe God for for a miracle that's beyond what we can even ask or think. And that's not just a cliche because that's what the book tells us. And he's proven his people. Now in this story, there's four principal characters that I want us to look at. Number one, the most important person in this story and the most important person here tonight is Jesus Christ himself. I'll tell you why that's really important, and it's very obvious, obviously, for most of us. But John 15, verse 5, Jesus said these words, For without me you can do, what's the word? Say the word nothing. So the most important person in this whole thing is Jesus. How much do we need him? We need the Lord, don't we? We need Jesus Christ. We need him in the midst because there's no miracles. There's no supernatural activity. There's no one saved. There's no one delivered. There's no one healed. There's no revival. There's no meeting of every financial need and the need that we have as a fellowship at this time unless Jesus is in the midst. And can I encourage you tonight? He is. Jesus Christ is here. So the most important person here is Jesus but this is not so much the order, but maybe it is. But the second person that I believe is crucial to the story is a boy with five loaves and two fish. Most important. You see, what you have here is Jesus. Then the next person that you have that's crucial to the story is a giver. Someone who gives. A lad give five loaves and two fish. The third group of people in the miracle are the distributors, the disciples, and what joy they must have had. Can you imagine, just for a second, this miracle? I know we know it so well, but you know, I've just been rehearsing this miracle over and over and over, and how it actually happened when the Lord took the five loaves and the two fish, and he blessed it, and he thanked the Lord, and he distributed those five loaves and those two fish in the 12 baskets. And then 12 men took up a basket. And I mean, it must have been something else. Because the more they were distributing the bread, the more the bread kept coming. Can you imagine that? I mean, this literally happened. This, this isn't a figment of anyone's imagination. This is not a fantasy. 
If you were Philip, now remember you're still Philip for a moment. Here's the good part in case you felt a bit uncomfortable with being Philip and being asked to feed. But here you are now with a basket. You know what it's like when people are hungry? Just come to our house at dinner time and you'll know all about it. But when the basket's there and suddenly they start to distribute the bread, can you imagine what it was like? And as they're distributing the bread, the bread keeps coming. There's 5,000 men and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps coming. Can you imagine what that would be like? I would say that the joy, I would say the rejoicing, I would say the laughing, I would say the, 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 the joy in their hearts as they were feeding the hungry and the people were looking at themselves and there's a lad standing there amazed as this miracle kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying until 5,000 men and their wives and their children, everyone was full to the brim. And I would say the whole multitude were rejoicing in the Lord because of this miracle. And so there's Jesus, there's the giver, there's the distributor. And lastly then, there's the receiver. You notice there that when you work your way down, the biggest group are the receivers. And the smallest group are the, what is it? Who gave one wee boy with five loaves and two fish? You know, the Bible tells us, if you turn over in the Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, And it's verse uh, 33. This is Paul, and he says, These words I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said, what did he say? It is more blessed to to give and to receive. We live in a consumer world. We, We live in a world that consumes enormous. It is a world that wants to receive. But the whole essence of the Christian faith is not so much that we receive because we have received of the Lord, haven't we? Hasn't the Lord been good to us? Okay, hasn't the Lord saved you? And you have enough to rejoice tonight, even at the Lord's. Are you here with breath in your body? Have you closed in your back? Have you a roof over your head? You see, this is the problem, I suppose, with the Western mindset. It's never enough. But we really have so much, and we've been so blessed. Hasn't the Lord blessed us? Hasn't he healed us? Has he delivered us? Have you peace in your mind tonight? Are you clothed and in your right mind? Isn't it good to be saved? We have received so much from the Lord. I mean, the Bible, the the hymn writer says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord's done. And he's done so much, hasn't he? We have received so much. But yet, if you just move through this story, you'll find the most important person is Jesus. But the next crucial person in this story is a wee boy 
with five loaves and two fish. He was a giver. You know, I've heard it often said, you can never outgive the Lord. You know, it's true. We can't outgive him. It's impossible to outgive the Lord. His shovel's much bigger than ours because he keeps pouring in and shoveling in the blessings upon our lives. But the key to the miracle here was that there was a lad that was willing to give. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ generally, locally, I believe that the river dries up when we become a people that no longer know what it is to give. When we don't know anymore what it is to give, not just financially, but of ourselves. The miracle happens when people are givers. I said it a few weeks ago, faith gives. Faith does give. That's not a prosperity thing. That's a biblical principle when we learn to give. Here's a lad that's seen not the multitude and we know, but he's seen Jesus. And when we see him, it's so much easier to be givers, isn't it? Why? Because he gave everything. What I want to encourage you with tonight is this, and I do say this genuinely and sincerely, we are amongst the people that, that do give. I don't say that to make us great, but I know we're a people that do give. But I believe the Lord's brought us to a desert place to prove us. I can remember, and you can remember too, going back a few years when we're still in the old building up the road here. Remember we're in the old building? Remember how good that, remember the mushrooms growing up the wall? Remember it was freezing in the winter? You could never, you mean you got frostbite in your nose by the time, remember the good old days? We're too warm tonight. Remember meeting in the wee hall? Remember the floor, you ladies with high heels? When you walked down the steps, you got stuck in the wooden floor because it was rotten. With Remember the good old days, eh? You couldn't dance on that floor. You got stuck. And the Lord's been good. But I can remember a time when we were praying, believing the Lord for that £50,000 that we needed to buy this building. And there was a time, if you can remember, I can remember, I think it was we got to about twenty-six or £27,000. It was around that mark. But we got stuck. We literally got stuck. Nothing happened. Nothing moved. And this went on for, I think, maybe nearly, anybody remember? It was nearly a couple of months. We're praying and we were asking, we're seeking the Lord. Now, that was a desert time. But then, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it all started to come. Now, I don't know why the Lord did this, but I do know now. Because he was proving us. And all I can say is we've come to a desert time again, brothers and sisters, together, collectively. And this was the story, if you remember, that the Lord had given us away at the beginning for to go forward. The simple story of five loaves and two fish. And the Lord's brought us back to it again. I tell you, all I can say tonight is this. The Lord's proven us. But have you gone from a giver to just a receiver?
Is it just a case of now we come to receive, but we no longer give? That's a tragedy. Because I honestly believe that the windows of heaven are going to open, not only physically in a material sense, but the windows of heaven are going to open spiritually when the church know what it is again to give. You know, I ask, sometimes we talk about these things, and I often say to Nikki, I mean, what would you do? <laughs> it's just our conversation. I hope you don't make me sharing it. But what would you do? Like, really? Richard, what would you do? If a Lord come back, and you had hundreds of thousands sitting in the bank. What would you do if you died in the morning? And the question often is, as you know and I know, did they leave much? We know the answer to that. They left everything. You want to know why? Because we'll not take that with us. A believer's wisdom, a believer's good stewardship, I believe all those things, brothers and sisters. Have you gone from being a giver to just a receiver? We're just here to receive. We're just here to get the blessing. We're just here to have a good time. I know that that's not the heart of everyone that I'm, I really know that tonight, but it's so easy just to everyone to sit in a place, a desert place, and sit there and say, I wonder when the bread's going to come. But the wee boy didn't sit and wait. The wee boy just gave what he had. I want to say again, I believe this is from the Lord for us. If we can give what we can, it might be, it might be, I mean this, it might be your pocket money. Those kids give, prayed and believed, and they still do. It might be insignificant in the eyes of this world. But I want to tell you something. If we give it and give it as unto the Lord, I can tell you now, we're going to be enjoying distributing this miracle. And distribute it we will, not just in a practical sense, not just in bricks and mortar, not just in that we have a new place to go and sit, but we're going to distribute the bread of life to a broken world. And the miracle is that the more you give, the more the miracle continues. When we stop distributing, the miracle stops. Brothers and sisters, we're all in a place, and I believe this, we're all in a place, whatever age you're at, but we're all in a place where we know we haven't much time and we really want to see something mighty for the Lord's name, for his glory. Isn't that right? I mean, we just don't want to sit about here and just have church. We really want to see something happen for the Lord. I want to tell you, it happens when with faith in our hearts, we give what we can. And when we do, the Lord will take it. He'll multiply it. Brothers and sisters, the miracles the supernatural, the power of God will begin to flow like we have never seen before. He has not brought us into this place to leave us in the desert. He's brought us here.
to see the mighty hand of Almighty God. Do you believe that tonight? Then ask the Lord, Lord, you know, I always remember Brother Clendenon used to say, he used to say, you may not have it, but maybe he'll give you it. And if he gives you it, are you willing to give it? Can he trust you with it? You might say, wow, I want to tell you something. That's the key. You may not have it, but in the morning if he gives you it, are you willing to give it? And if your answer to that is, yes, Lord, I'm willing to give it, then praise the Lord. You never know what will arrive in the post in the morning. Are you willing to give it? Church, let's be givers, not just receivers, because he's blessed us so much, hasn't he? And because he's blessed us, because he's blessed us, then we need to thank him tonight. We need to be a thankful people. I encourage you to come to pray tonight. Lord, let's thank him for what he's done. Honestly, get, get our eyes off all the stuff that goes on, but we have so much to thank him for tonight. And as we thank him, just say, Lord, tonight, make us people that are willing to give in faith, to believe you for the miracle that you want to do. In this place, you know, we've come to this place for this time. I've asked the Lord, Lord, what is happening? Where are we? What's going on? Is there something not right? Are we not hearing right? But I just honestly know he brought me back to this to say, Tim, I'm here. I brought you here to prove you. And I brought everyone here to prove them. To prove them at this time. This is a testing time. But the Lord knows what he's going to do anyway. What he's going to do is, brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it, he's not only going to open that place next door, but he's going to fill it. And there's going to be souls saved. There's 500 at least souls going to be washed into the kingdom. He's going to raise up a place. It's going to be a haven. It's going to be a place where people are delivered, set free, filled with the Holy Ghost. We have not seen yet what the Lord wants to do. And yet he's done so much. But we still have not seen the fullness. Listen, we have not seen the fullness. We haven't even, could I say this, put our big toe into this of what the Lord wants to do. But he's got us in a test in time. He's proven us. But he knows what he's going to do. He wants you to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it, do you? I want to be a part of what he's doing. So Lord, give us the faith. Let's thank him tonight for all that he's done. He's done so much in our lives, hasn't he? Yes. Do you know, when we forget, that's what happens when we're just receivers. We forget what he's done. We're just taking all the time and we never come and say, Lord, I just want to come back and thank you tonight for all the times you've answered prayer, you've broke through, you've brought me through so much, you've brought me through the valleys, through the hard times. Lord, you've sustained me with your great hand. You've provided all that I've needed. So Lord, tonight I want to thank you. It's a good thing to give thanks. Lord, make us givers. Make us givers. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen.